Hi, welcome to Birthing at Home, a podcast. I'm Elsie, your host. I'm a home birth mom of two little boys. I'm a mental health nurse, a home birth advocate broadly, but also more specifically in the state of Victoria, and I'm an ex-student midwife. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people who are the traditional custodians of the land I'm recording on in um, Melbourne, Australia. I would also like to acknowledge that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have been birthing at home on country for tens of thousands of years prior to the British invasion and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. This is another partner episode, but it's not just any partner episode, it's one from Wilma. Born and raised in Guatemala, then moved to the United States in 2002, where he met his now wife, who he supported to have four home births. This was such a great episode to record, and I found it extremely thought-provoking. I'm so grateful for Wilma for reaching out to chat about birth culture in America, Australia, and Guatemala, and about the beauty of home birth. I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome, Wilma, to Birthing at Home, a podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, to everyone that's listening, you may have heard in that very brief, thank you for having me, that Wilma uh, is not from Australia, not an Australian accent. Uh, Wilma, do you want to tell the listeners uh, about who you are, where you're from? Because this is a kind of special episode. I'm really excited for this. Well, I, I am too, because it's a topic I, I ended up learning about your podcast through a conversation in a group of podcasters. And I just casually asked what's your podcast about. I asked that question 50 times and I'm like, okay, cool. But when you said what this was about, I got so excited, but I needed to be careful to not overwhelm you. Like, can, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Yeah. I am Guatemalan. Um, I was born in Guatemala in the year 1975, so I'm currently 48 years old. I moved to Texas in the year 2002. Um, at the time, I thought I'd be coming here to work for six months or maybe a year. It was very unplanned, uh, but one thing led to another, and I've been living here for now uh, 21 years, since 2002. I still visited Guatemala about 30, 35 times in those 20 years. So, so I still stay in touch. Guatemala, where I come from, is in the same time zone. And uh, a direct flight is three hours away from Dallas, where I'm yeah. at. So it's pretty close. I, I, I tell people, if you take a plane from Dallas to New York, and I take a, place, a plane from Dallas to my city, I'll beat you by 10 minutes. Yeah. But despite being that much close geographically, it's a huge difference in many aspects. Not only the language, but the culture, which is a culture that comes from having been conquered by the Spaniards. Yeah. Here in, here in Texas, you have also some influence of the Spaniards, but around 200 years ago, the Spanish abandoned. And I'm a teacher by profession and love work cultures, so I don't want to go too much into it. But we connected on the topic of home birth. I met and married my wife in the year 2007. Uh, it was not my first marriage, um, but in the previous marriages, I did not have children. I was more focused on career. And when we met, we were both in our early 30s. We were, I believe I was 31. Um, or 32 already. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. So, so that the conversation about having children was very important. Uh, yeah. Whether one way or the other. Having been married before and being 32, I had begun thinking I would not have kids at all. Yeah, wow. I was still wanting so much for me, for my career, that I, I even said to her on, on the first couple of dates, I think I might not even want children. Who knows if I even can? Because I've been married about six years and didn't have Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Now, she said that that was extremely important for her. So I said, well, okay. Now, here's... Um, I, it's not that I did not want them for, for the sake of not having. I'm, I moved from Guatemala to Texas for economic reasons only. I had a very good job there that allowed me to be very happy uh, professionally, but it, it, it ended. So when I moved to Texas out of economic considerations, uh, and being from Latin America, the economy always weighs heavy in your mind. Yeah. Uh, I have about 30 cousins, and I'd say about 25 or 26 of them only have two kids. Yeah. Because the economy does not allow them to raise more. Yeah, to have more, yeah. Correct. So so for me, to me, I needed to be well settled financially before considering kids. Now, for my then uh, fiancé, I don't I don't think I even proposed before we settled that topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even propose yet. Um, the conversation about having children was very important because for her was... She wanted a family. Yeah. If, if for some natural reason we could not have one, that was okay. But it was not going to be a decision that, oh, I'm going to marry a guy who wants to focus on his career. Yeah. So I said, okay, um, you know, uh, more like a way of saying whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still thinking I still need to achieve. We didn't own a home. I had never owned a home in Guatemala. In six years here, I had not owned a home. I, I did not even want to purchase a home because my dream was to return to live in Guatemala. Yeah. In Guatemala, do most people own their homes or? You know, yes, a lot of people do, but I think about this a lot. People usually owned one home in their lifetime. Like yeah, wow. their parents held them probably if they are of some means or, or people uh, usually save for the home before they get married. If they get married before buying the home, that feels like you're doing it wrong. When I married my wife, who is American, we've been married 16 years. I have been married twice before, but both women were from Latin America, different countries. Yeah. Our mindset was very common with, with them because we came from the same socioeconomic structure. It was yeah. important to buy a fridge, to buy a, a stove, to buy the TV before you get married, because once you get married, you have to either pay the rent or the house. You don't have yeah. time to save. Yeah. People, people live with their parents. It's, it's very common to live with your parents until you graduate college, until yeah. you are 30. Uh, yeah. That has to do with the size of the countries. Countries yeah. are smaller. They only have one big city. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm always thinking that we're talking about birth, but this is relevant because yeah. actually the other the other aspect is that because we have one big city in those countries, the capital city, and usually the second largest city is like a third or a fifth of the size. Yeah. Uh, most of the um, health services are only provided first in the major city where you have access to public hospitals. And then in the other cities, you have some access but it's always somewhat poor. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a reason they call them third world countries. Yeah. Uh, and underdeveloped. So a lot of people see uh, that the biggest problems our countries face is, is what we call demographic explosion. Too many births. Yeah. Uh, too many people having too many children and not having the means to support them. So when you're raised going to college in middle class, you're always thinking, Children are somewhat desirable, but be careful. Yeah. Because too many can be a curse for yeah. them and for you. Yeah. And then you are also set on the fact that the best thing that you can do is plan for everything, including planning for the births. And 
you think of a hospital birth as the only option. I was born through C-section, and up until the time I was 30 years old, I'm the firstborn of three children that my mom had. Yeah. I was 100% sure that every time that a woman had a C-section, every single child after had to be a C-section, because that's what my mother told me that they told her. Yeah, wow. That's so interesting. So she's she is obviously also a Guatemalan uh, mother. And in Guatemala, I learned um, last night that that the home birth rate in Guatemala is about 50%. Um, and it's so interesting uh, talking about home birth from another culture, from uh, kind of two different countries, um, the United States and Guatemala in more central uh, America. Um, uh, because, yeah, in Australia, the home birth rate, uh, and I mean, they don't really distinguish between free birth and home birth in the statistics, but basically birthing at home uh, is about 1%. <laughs> in all of Australia. And um, what's funny is that we are considered uh, an economically quite privileged country um, and Guatemala, not not so much, you know, um, but the home birth rate is so much higher. Um, and I guess, yeah, it comes back to the fact that healthcare is a privilege and um, not everywhere in the world has uh, healthcare like, for example, you, you might in the United States or in Australia. Um, obviously in Australia, we're quite privileged to have the Medicare system. So every single citizen of Australia, and even if you're, um, a permanent resident, uh, re resident, you can, um, get some sort of Medicare, which is public healthcare. So, uh, you can quite easily go and have your baby in hospital for free. Yeah. Um, it's, most, it's, most it's women do. That this happens to me a lot, uh, even speaking the same language, there's things that are different. You say the term Medicare, and here in, in the United States, Medicare is a, is a government-funded health option for seniors, for people over 65. So yeah, yeah. Something. It's funny well, that they use a similar name. <laughs> yeah. What you say about birth rates in Guatemala, it's, it's a consequence of several factors. Uh, the economy is one, but the economy... You know, is to me, I, I love that. I have a master's in education because I'm a teacher, but I also took a master's in intercultural studies just because I'm fascinated about, I mean, why are countries in such different shape? Mm. Now, to me, the question goes back at least 500 years in the case of yeah. Guatemala when the Spaniards came, in the case of the United States, about 300, and in case of Australia, at least a few centuries as well. But one of the things that happened is when we were colonized, we were colonized by the Spaniards that brought forth the Catholic Church. And yeah. the Catholic Church up to this day has very clear dogmatic lines. I was raised Catholic and I still have a lot of respect for the Catholic tradition, but they have very clear dogmatic lines about birth control. Mm -hmm. So people that are wanting to climb economically in Guatemala, they know that they need to make decisions about that because... Mm -hmm. The economy, even if you're an engineer married to a lawyer or a doctor married to, to another professional, you know that salaries will never allow you to buy a nice house and buy cars and, and send four kids to school. Yeah. Now that I said school, something came up very interesting that happened to me about 10 years ago. Uh, actually, it must have been less. It was probably seven years ago because I already had four children. 
I went to a gathering of cousins that I had not seen in about 10 years. And, and there are professionals. They have actually had their professional degree for 15 years more than I have. Yeah. I, I mean, I had to leave my country because of, of losing a job and not having uh, being able to, to, to get another one of the same. And that's as a, a teacher? No, when I left, I was more involved in communications. I came working okay. at a small office of a family. I became yep. a teacher after the birth of my second child yep. to spend more time at home with my kids. But, but at that dinner, everybody, every cousin is talking about their kids, and most have two, two children. And they look at me and say, how in the world you have four? I was like, it's lovely. It's beautiful. How do you pay for school? Yep. And, I, and it hit me. Elsie, I don't pay for school in the United States. Yeah. They have access to a, a very good education. You can criticize public education a lot, and that's okay. But the topic is they can access a free public education. In my country, there's free public education, but it's horrible. You don't even have desks. You have yeah. rooftops that leak. You, have, you don't have a floor. You have rodents on the floor. You don't have windows. You can easily find that information on YouTube. And, and that is extreme poverty. Yeah. I have never met a single person that went to a public school in my country. Because wow. the priority of a family after having children is paying for their education. And at the time, 10 years ago, the people with two kids, 40% of their, of their income was being used in their kids, about 20% mm. of the kid. Yeah. So let's say if a person make, a, I don't know, a, a number that is approximate to Guatemala in reality, $2,000 a month in salary, which is a very good salary. Uh, they were paying $200 a month per kid per month for them to go to school. How yeah. can they afford four kids? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So that, that shapes a lot even of the mentality of having kids. So, so yeah. people, as soon as they begin accessing education and, and, and have a desire to climb economically, they think of having at most two kids. And the ideal mindset is one boy, one girl, which is another, you know, uh, a very traditional idea that comes from our, our, our values. Yeah. And on the other hand, you have a lot of people that don't have access to health services that live in poor areas that end up being 25 and already have six children. Yeah. And those children don't have access to education. So I've known people who are 60 and are great grandmothers. Mm. Well, actually, that's one of the things that I learned last night researching a little bit on Guatemala as well, um, is that, uh, okay, so there's roughly, um, you know, I think it was from a couple of years ago, but the home birth statistic is about 50%, um, but there's also an extremely high maternal mortality rate in Guatemala Um, and um, it's quite easy to say oh that's because of home birth Um, but actually it is the the answer or the explanation is a lot more complex than that in uh, Guatemala I guess influenced by all of those things that you've just said there are also high rates of um, young girls becoming pregnant and the complexities with um i guess being un being developed enough to you know make a make a baby Um, and access to health they got it listen what i I am not familiar with the statistics you mentioned because i am just a father who yeah (laughs) i'm a teacher but i don't i i I am not examining statistics of guatemala but one thing i learned about statistics is we sometimes uh erroneously have this misconception of correlation meaning mm. causality. Yeah. A lot of the women who give birth in their homes in Guatemala will probably die either at childbirth or before age 30. That's true. 
that's a correlation that is because of poverty. They don't yeah. die at childbirth because of the home birth. Home birth, they, yeah. They could have died because of a bicycle accident and they're bleeding and, and their nearest hospital is two hours away. And they're yeah. in a mountain when they're, they don't have access to clean water. And I'm not yeah. exaggerating. I've seen this because my job in Guatemala was to go to every little uh, municipality for about six years. So yeah. I've seen horrible things. The first time I learned about home birth, my mother was a social worker and she would tell me how she would... Uh, drive a car for seven hours for 200 miles I yeah. mean, at 30 miles per hour because there's so many mountains yeah. so, so seven hours is not like in australia that you yeah know, you know, <laughs> it's flat yeah it's, it's literally like 200 miles and then yeah. she steps off the car and then she has to ride a horse for like 40 minutes into the yeah. mountain and then she still had to walk an extra hour to get to a small village yeah and, and she told me that's where women are having birth in their home because there's no option so up until the age of 31, where I met my current wife, I thought home birth is for extreme poverty people. Yeah. Home birth is only if you literally, I said, when she when, after the question of do you have children uh, in a different date, the second question that she asked me was, what do you think about home birth? I'm like, it's great if you're living in the mountains and you can survive <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's what I thought. I mean, home birth, like, who is so desperately poor that they cannot afford to go to a hospital for what's probably the most critical life decision yeah yeah birth. now that's a misconception of course yeah. but everybody that i've known from guatemala whether social uh, uh middle class or even more privileged i think we a lot share the idea that providing good care means providing the best hospital you can mm. and, and birth being one of the major uh situations where it is supposed to be like like my dream was to have a lot of money to to if i go to a so-so a, a hospital for an accident for the birth of my children i need to afford the best hospital in the country of course yeah. that was just a, a, an idea but but it came up with the with the foregone conclusion that home birth is bad home birth is a consequence that you're doing terrible in life yeah now, my education began to change in the year 2007 when, when, when I was dating my wife and she began explaining to me, I'm like, what? And because I was still not ready to, to commit to having children, I was like, okay, it sounds interesting. Now, I'm very naturally curious. So I began asking her questions and every time there was an answer, she was incredibly well informed because she had a close friend of hers who had had already three daughters the first one was at a hospital she did send me a note yesterday this friend of my wife who they met they've known each other for i believe about 38 39 years yeah um uh, she had the first birth at a hospital and she was unhappy uh so she researched home birth and she had her two other daughters with home birth and my wife was present mm, uh, wow the labor and everything so but that was 10 years before I met her. So, wow. So, she, so is that how she learned about home birth then? Yes. yes. Yeah, wow. Well, she didn't learn through hearing about it or through reading about it. She learned because her best friend, and they're still very close, yeah. uh, decided to to go for home birth. And my wife, being as close as she was, she I think at one point she lived with them in the same apartment, uh, but, uh, but she was present in the laboring process. Wow. Uh, and I've seen a video of those births from, what, 25 years ago. Yeah. Uh, I was not even in Texas when those happened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and my wife is in a couple of scenes. So she yeah. saw it and she witnessed that. Oh, I, I come short of words because using words like 
I think any birth could be called a miracle, but but such a majestic experience of life of 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 humanity of oh, I I don't know I could I could I could go on for hours and still fall short of the worst yeah because to me the birth of my children has been the best thing ever but not merely because of the birth yeah it was because they were home births yeah like yeah this is a phrase that I always think when when people talk about I mean I have four children which is more more than usual for 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 the circle I mean it probably most people have three. Yeah. Here in America, in, in, in Guatemala, it's two. I I always say, and if we were younger, we would have had more just for the experience of the home birth. Yeah, yeah, you know? I would t- probably agree. Um, I am obviously quite young um, and I have two children, um, but I think, I think I'm done. How old are you? You know, I'm only uh, 27. Oh, you I'll are be- very young. Yeah, My I'll be 28 in February. When we married, so she must have been 33 when we had her first. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing about Humbert, not to interrupt you, but we had our last oh. one when my wife was 41. Uh, so so Humbert is not, I mean, Humbert. we were way more concerned, but even a person that goes to the doctor in a hospital would be concerned about a, a birth about over 40. So yeah. Every little stigma or, or preconception I could have about home birth has been completely erased through my experience. But yeah. Please, tell us more. You, you're 27 and you had two home births? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say, yeah, I'm I'm starting to reflect more about my first home birth experience, which, um, yeah, my I guess home birth is amazing and midwifery care is amazing but when you have um what some women call like med midwives like more medicalized midwives attending home births things get a bit blurred and i think maybe that was my experience my experience with my first um home birth was i thought it was amazing but having had my second uh son in june at home i'm like wow they're very different stories um and if if i could like replicate or have a similar experience to what i had in june i would birth like maybe not 10 more times but but, um that whole experience yes to me it was um painful sure because like everybody always latches on to pain and like you know um, I'm not denying that for me personally it was painful um but talking about physically painful or emotionally painful physically painful um I guess um let me ask you one thing yeah if your second birth was physically painful would you not describe the first birth as physically painful at all Interestingly, um, I it was painful, but the way that I um, had been describing was that it was a different kind of pain. I, I think I, you know, this is my twenty fifth recording, and in in this podcast, I've learned so 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 much, and even in the past six months, listening to. Um, other amazing podcasts about um, home birth and physiological birth and things like that. I'm constantly like, oh, like I wish I could do birth again because like I would try that 
you know, to try and, you know, and it's lost wisdom. And I'm just like picking up pieces because like once upon a time, this would have been like known knowledge within, you know, society, but it's all lost, you know, now. Um, but yeah, I would describe that it's the same that, um, yeah, if I actually don't like being pregnant, I find being pregnant extremely uncomfortable. And obviously that's the, the nine or 10 months, um, so for that reason, I don't think I'll have another baby. But the actual childbirth, I would do again. Um, okay, so let me ask you something. Yeah. Especially with what you describe about pregnancy. What is to you, for your own self, as, as, as briefly as possible, the goal of pursuing a home birth? Is it to reduce pain? Uh, no, I think it's to feel safe. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure if I've mentioned so much to you before, but, um, I was a student midwife, um, a few years ago and I was a student midwife for three years. And I think in total, I probably saw like between 10 and 15 births and they were all in the hospital because we weren't allowed to attend home births at that time. You were not allowed because you were a student. Because I was a student and in Australia, uh, midwives, uh, private midwives aren't able to get insurance for the birth part of um, like... Uh, like pregnancy care, I guess. So uh, they can get insurance for antenatal and they can get insurance for postnatal. And that's why um, one of the reasons why it costs so much is because there's this issue with Medicare um, not having, not covering a home birth, like the birth part of it and insurance. And that it's like very messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it costs like between six so and ten thousand dollars. That's going through my mind, because I can respond that question easily for myself. But if you were to ask me, I mean, I can respond the following question, uh, not the next one, but the one after. If you were to ask me why am I doing this conversation with you, is because I am so passionate about home birth that I would like to share my experience so others can learn how it can become the right choice for them. Yeah. I agree that it's not the right choice for everybody. And we ourselves knew that eventually, either because of the law or because of a, of a wise decision, we might have needed to have one of our births at a hospital. We never did. But my desire is to advocate for people to inform themselves and consider home birth without stigma and, and prejudice. Yeah. But one of the things is to determine the why. why yeah. Choose a home birth. I know that for myself. When I... Before I had the children, my why was because the woman I want to marry is set on it. Yeah. I, I could tell you, and I'm not joking, I could tell you that if I had said, I will not under any circumstances consider a homebirth, she would have said, then I don't want to even go on another date with you. Yeah. Which I think is valid. It's yeah. very important. It's, yeah. it's like when you decide what religion are you going to raise your kids in or, or, or what's their primary language going to be. Those are major decisions. And if yeah. really, I believe people people have a right to to split. Yeah. I didn't have a strong opinion. All I wanted was the best possible outcome for my future children. And in my mind, the best possible outcome was great hospitals. Yeah. And, and because I didn't think I was ready to afford great hospitals, I wasn't ready to even have kids. But when she said, 
I, what do you, I mean, she was, she is incredibly good at communicating. She never forced the idea of having kids. She yeah. said, okay, we'll, we'll talk later. I want you to remain open because that's important for me. Yeah. In home birth, she was probably a little bit more firm. We, we had also dated longer. Yeah. But I could see I had no choice yeah. for two reasons. Number one, because she was firm. And number two, because I had no information about yeah. why birth would be better. Yeah. And that was the first birth. But as soon as I began taking classes with her, which was just a couple of lessons on a weekend, and I just spoke today to the person, I reached out to her to help me clear my memory. Yeah. Um, I believe it was two mornings, a Saturday, uh, two different Saturdays for four hours. Yeah. After that, I was, I was like a soldier going to battle. You're like, oh, I'm so ready for this. I want to do it. And yeah. We had some difficulties during the first birth. She labored, if I'm not mistaken, for about 28 hours. Yeah. Uh, so it was very hard. She even ended up with some lesion in, in her bones because of, of having to readjust her weight so much and so much yeah. pressure in different positions. And anyway, it, so it was not perfect. It was challenging. But the outcome on an emotional level, it was mm. at the time for us, it was more expensive because the health system, the way it works here, when when she was in in the middle of her pregnancy we decided she would no longer work and we also talked because we don't have family nearby at the time we didn't have family in the city like a grandpa or, or, an, or an uncle or, or anybody that could watch a newborn we decided that as soon as she had the baby she would not return to work yeah uh, within a few years yeah so so because of that, we did qualify for some government assistance when it comes to health and for birth, because I was the only income earner. There was mm-hmm. only one salary for a, for a soon-to-be family of three. Yeah. But that service would only cover a hospital birth. Yeah. That, that government insurance would, did not cover any. So for us, it was every cent we spent on the birth process, including the, all the visits in advance with the midwife, came out of our pockets. It yeah. would be cheaper to go to the hospital. Oh, absolutely. So so it was not an economic decision. Uh, first, it was because of what she wanted. But once I experienced it myself as a, as a male, as her husband, oh, my goodness, Elsie. My mother, who is from Guatemala, who uh, uh, she, she passed earlier this year. She passed in January, so she's no longer with us. But she had always desired grandkids. And she had hurt a lot when I left the country. Yeah. Um, so I had been living out of the country for six years. She was there at the birth. And the expectations that people have is they're going to wait for the birth. They're going to wait for two hours for the nurse to take the baby to another room. And then they're going to wait maybe till next morning till they can see the baby through a window. Yeah. And then 24 hours after the birth, maybe the grandma can come and touch the skin of the baby. Yeah. My mother was holding the baby within 10 minutes of birth. My mother cut the umbilical cord. My mother heard all the moaning and groaning of my wife trying to push that baby out for a full day. And my mother heard the first cries of the baby. Yeah. I did not have a great relationship with my mom. Uh, Yeah. But that to me was the best gift I could ever give her. Yeah. And for me, to myself, it was like, Oh my goodness, what is this? And, and, and there's so many other aspects, Elsie. Being an immigrant, I, I ha- I, especially around 2007, I had no friends. Yeah. I, mean, I had friends that I could see every now and then, but nobody that I would, I would hang out with on a weekly basis. My wife did have lifelong friendships. Yeah. So for three or four years, I mean, three or four days before the birth, 
We had like 10 people in our house. Yeah, wow. Like, like camping. We had an aunt that flew from her home state of Oregon. I think her mother flew in as well. Yeah. Her, her couple of best friends and her sister who live in town were there. So that was at least five adult females. They were there all the time. I was literally hugging her or napping. I didn't even have to cook. Another wow. I was surrounded by this sense of community. Yeah. It felt so, you know, it made me think of, of a pack of lionesses protecting the, 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 the lioness that's going yeah. to and, and thankfully, one of those friends, actually the friend who, who got my wife into learning about um, homebirds, she's also a very good photographer. She was never a professional photographer, but she was incredibly gifted and, and still yeah. is for yeah. taking family pictures. So she took a lot of pictures. Those pictures are still up. She also had a blog, so she would write her thoughts. Yeah, yeah, Another yeah. one of the friends was uh, journaling, like... At 2 a.m., she began thinking that the bird was going to come. The midwife was sure the dilation was so many centimeters, but yeah. 40 minutes later, this changed. So it's a process that I even took video. It was before iPhones and before uh, digital video, so it's on tape somewhere. I have never seen those videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's not a price for that, Elsie. Yeah, and but I think when I say um, safe, I... Um, like the reason for why I chose home birth, it was because, you know, I'd seen all of these things happen in hospital and I knew that I had never, I'd seen like home births in videos and things, but I didn't know anyone personally that had ever had a home birth. Um, like, yeah, I just knew that it must be different. And actually, I, I will give credit to my husband because he was born at home in the Netherlands where there's also um, a high home birth rate compared to other countries. Um, and I remember being in the appointment. with I knew that I wanted a private midwife. I knew that I wanted that. I wanted the continuity of care. And it was proposed to me, do you want to have a home birth? And previously I had thought, yes, I'll always choose a home birth. But when it was presented to me, I was like, oh, like, can I actually do it? Like, <laughs> you know, I've seen how birth can go wrong. wrong. I've seen what can happen. Um do I believe in myself enough? Do I trust my body enough? And I guess... um yeah, probably I didn't. I did have the home birth, but probably I felt like I I needed the midwives rather than I needed to trust myself. But it was my husband who was like, well, yeah, let's have a home birth. And I was like, okay, let's have a home birth. Um, now, but yeah, yeah I want something. Are you saying you felt you needed the midwives? Does that mean that there was an alternative to have a home birth without any midwife assistance? Um, like... So there is a rise. I'm not sure how it's documented. I think antidotally we know that there is a rise in free births in Australia. So, uh, yeah, births at home or wherever without you want, really, without a medical person. So I, I, am, I am guessing your audience will know more about Australia, but let me let me share what I learned how it was for us in Texas. Yeah. The midwife has actually have to be licensed. Yeah. She, she needs to have a partner doctor that in the case of an emergency, and the emergency could come in month six of the pregnancy. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, mean, yeah. 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 The emergency doesn't mean an emergency at birth. Yeah. Uh, but we meet with her about, if I'm not wrong, 10 times on, during the pregnancy, like once a month, the first three months, twice a month, the next three, and in the last uh, eight weeks, 
from week 30 onward, I think every week. Yeah. And of course, she comes and stays at her house the last two days. Yeah. Uh, so that was her only option because I believe practicing a free birth would have precluded us from a few other opportunities. The midwife has to have a backup plan, including a, a route for an ambulance. If we were to need to call an ambulance the moment of birth, say yeah. an umbilical cord is around the neck or, or, or the baby's breech. So it was... That was information given to us during the first pregnancy, which made me feel very confident, not because I trust hospitals a lot. I mean, I'm the person that says, if I'm not bleeding, don't take me there for anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it had to do with being raised uh, in, in lower middle class. I didn't have money to go to a hospital for, for yeah. things. Um, but through my learning process, I realized that there's an industry, a health industry that, that needs to feed their cycle. Mm. They, they need to bring people to the hospitals. Uh, but here's the thing. What is where, uh, Hospitals are good. Doctors are great. Yeah. But what's, what's the scenario where they add more value to your life? When your life is at risk because of an accident. Yeah. And when your life is at risk because of an accident, you have no choice but to trust a, a great doctor and go to a great hospital with all the resources. But yeah. chances are, if you have an accident, you're nowhere near one. Yeah. So, yeah. so your body is incredibly resilient, uh, and 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 this industry is established to save lives, to rescue lives from situation of risk. It could be a long illness too, yeah. But why do we treat pregnancy as an illness? Yeah. Here's here's the other thing, and these are come some things that I learned from from the from the midwife fifteen years ago. Which do you think is more contaminated? Your house, where there's five people sharing the same viruses every day and breathing and sleeping in the same bed, sharing utensils for eating, or a hospital where there's a hundred people who come actually sick with some yeah. sickness you've never had? Yeah. Wow. Even the maternity ward, as sterilized and clean as it may be, people, the traffic and everything. Yeah. And before COVID, it was much more there. I was like... You're right. A hospital yeah. is contaminated. Yeah. Why do we think that handling a baby up to three or four people within 10 minutes is safer? Why Why do we wear masks for mm. a father to see their child if for 5,000 years or whatever amount of time you want to believe people were born with without needing to protect from that? Yeah. And, and another thing that she said was, your baby during pregnancy has been listening to the mother's heartbeat every second of their life. It's yeah. the only, the biggest sound they've known. Why does it have to be cut so suddenly at birth? Yeah. And I almost cried when I was told that. I began thinking I would be the most cruel person if to my babies, I would take them away from their mother or not me, but have yeah. them off to, to go to another room or to, if, if my wife wanted to yeah. hold them with them. You know, I don't recall each of them, but I know at least one of my kids had the umbilical cord at least an hour, an hour and a half after the birth is still attached. Yeah, yeah. And, and then after after all the love and warmth and the emotions and the crying had happened, yeah. and uh, we chose who would cut the umbilical cord. Um, you know, you saw a picture of my fourth child. Yeah. It was the older children. With the cord burning. Cut the cord together. Yeah. And, and, and even though they might not remember as clearly, to see the picture, it means so much for the unity, their unity as siblings. Yeah. But, but what I'm trying to say is there, there was an amount of arguments that to me made this, I don't want to use the word empowering, but it was like if life is meant to be at 100%, by the fact of who we are as humans, only through a home birth 
could I as a man experience the whole value of my wife's pregnancy and only through a home birth could she feel in 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 control having the agency to, to determine what's best for her and for her child yeah with consulting of the midwife with support of friends with even a backup plan for a doctor if necessary yeah but she was in charge she would not need to be tied to a to to a bed to a room to a floor of a building under yeah. a certain schedule she was in charge of how she wanted to do it and she would ask questions to the midwife but my wife would decide yeah and and so the word empowering seems to 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 justify that but but it's more than that Elsie. yeah it's more than that I, I call the births of my children the happiest moments of my life. I feel yeah. happier than the marriage, than yeah. the wedding itself. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I get emotional thinking about that. You know, I, I've, I'm, I've looked back on it and, uh, yeah, there were times where, where, where I feel sad that, I, that we knew, my wife was 42 by, uh, by the time we were holding her fourth baby and, and we knew she could not get pregnant again. We also yeah. did have two losses yeah. uh, before baby number four. So, so we knew that was going to be your last baby. And I was like, you're telling me I'm not going to have a birth again at home? Oh, yeah, my. it's like addictive. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, I would... But it's chemically and physiologically. Addictive. Yes. The amount of whatever your body releases. Yeah. Of yeah. The hormones of well-being. Listen, we are adults. Yeah. We're adults. So I'm going to say this. It's better than the best sex you can have. It's yeah. different, but the amount of intimacy in, in, in the emotions, in your brain, you're obviously surrounded by other people, but but all, all the chemical aspects of, of the union that can be... Uh, yeah realizing in sexual intimacy a birth is is so much more intense yeah it's 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 i mean look the last birth i ever saw of my children was almost uh, eight and eight years and what eight years and nine months ago yeah 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 and i get so excited talking about it yeah yeah well i would describe uh the birth of frankie who i had in june as the best day of my entire life i i don't think i'm certain nothing can top it like I just, yeah, and I think I, yeah, I've said this before in other episodes that if if more women and partners and families could have this experience, like how things in the world might be different. I know that's like a big step, but I just see it as like it's, it's yeah, and I, I hear this all the time in in the stories that are shared on the podcast that um, the way it's impacted how a, a woman feels about themselves as a as a mom, as a woman, as a parent, how they parent, like it it has so many on flow effects. This amazing experience and by raising children is is tricky. It's like every oh, child is different. And mind when you said raising children is. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I have a like, yeah, Murphy is three and a half at the moment. Oh, it's requiring a lot of emotional regulation for myself. Um, But like, it's just, yeah, I would agree with all of the things that people have said before that, yeah, it's, it's changed how I feel about myself and my body. I trust my body. I, I truly believe that like, um, you know, my body, 
my body works. And yes. it was really like full circle the other day. Um, my son Murphy, he had a cut on his finger or something and he was saying, oh, I have this. And and he said, oh, but don't worry, mum, my body will fix it. And I was just like, yeah. oh, yes. Uh, here's, here's an interesting concept. Let's let's say that there's two, two, two lines of thoughts about this. People believe in either evolution or creation. Yeah. If people believe in evolution, our body has evolved and improved each time. Our body right now is at its best way in history because of all that it has learned. So why not let the body take care of the most basic function, which is to, to continue the life cycle yeah. by itself? And if you believe in creation, then the body is the most perfectly created organism yeah. the human body. Why don't you let it achieve what it did for thousands of years? By yeah. itself? I mean, if, especially if you believe in creation and Western religions, the birth of Christ was on a manger. It was yeah. So yeah. And it was a home birth. Yeah. It was a home yeah, birth. Exactly. <laughs> and, and under, so, so the idea that, that again, I'm not trying to put hospitals down in any way because they serve a purpose, mm. but, what I think is that the ideal setting for a birth is where a woman feels safe. I like the word that you use, safe. Um, in control is another way that I see it, mostly because of, of, of my mindset at the time. I thought that it was a home birth could be out of control without all the structure that you would assume you have. But here's, here's another thing. To me, it's, it's, it's the, 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 the climax of the human experience. Mm, the climax of the human experience. Is, I love I mean, that. It is the birth, but a home birth where you're relying only on your own natural abilities. And if we had video, people would see me putting my hands around. <laughs> yeah. And making all these gestures of, of how capable the body is. Yeah. As a male, I get to witness that. But also I felt I'm not a person, you know, that is mystical in any way, but if there was a mystical religious experience moment in being a part of that community of friends that my wife had, there was a friend who played the guitar and, and for during hours of labor, she'd be playing songs that they liked. Yeah. And come on, you cannot have that at a hospital. No. I chose, I chose some, some, I am more into rock music. So I chose a couple of songs to play off the iPod. Yeah. Uh, and, and and I knew what was the first one that my babies would hear. Obviously, they don't remember. And now I find it silly. Yeah. But in this sense, it's a big party. Yeah. It's a big celebration of life where you are in your sacred space, which is your home. Our, yeah. our, first, our first son was born in our bedroom. It was quite difficult uh, because it was a long labor. So for the second child, my wife decided to have a, a bathtub and it was in her living room. Yeah. All four children were, were, were born in the same home, the very first home that my wife and I bought. When we moved, because with four kids, we couldn't stay in the same house where we couldn't sell that house. Yeah. We couldn't sell it. We, yeah. we figured out so many ways to keep it. And about a few months ago, we we're going to sell it. And guess what? The sale fell through on the day of closing. After 40 days that we had wow. paperwork to sell it, it fell through. And the first thing I did was take my children back. Yeah. Said, the house is all empty and say, this is where you were born. And here's some pictures. Yeah. I, I cannot imagine another way to communicate to my children how much they were loved, how much they were wanted, how much they were desired and planned for for months before their birth. Yeah, and, yeah. And I cannot imagine what they feel. I remember knowing, I mean, my parents had a very rocky relationship. They divorced by the time I was 12, and I was very happy that they divorced. Yeah. Um, but but I always felt that my birth had been oppressing to my mother. 
Yeah. She, she went, she was taken to a hospital. She didn't have a choice. She had a C-section. From then on, the birth of my brother and the birth of my sister were also C-sections because the first one was C-section. My father, I don't think, was able to be in the room until the next day. I don't even know if she wanted to be, if he wanted to be, yeah. or if my mom was wanting him to be. But I found nothing of joy about my birth. Mm, I would, I would say the same. Um, yeah, I, I know that. Um, I was in induction um, because I had, yeah, my mom has told me very briefly because I was like overdue, but like, what does that mean? I That yeah. could mean anything. Um, but yeah, I don't really know many details of my birth. I don't know if um, like my parents also divorced when I was 15 um, and I was happy about it as well. Um I yeah their relationship was extremely toxic and I I actually like whether my dad was at present when I was born I have no idea I think there was some um disappointment that I've only discovered you know later in life um that I was born a girl um so I think like just the whole situation was yeah not very nice and I'm so happy that I'm able to give my children a different a different pathway you know I yeah like you I mean you you sent me that video the other day and although your kids might not have been like oh let's tell my birth story to some random 14 the girls yeah but but they already know that Home birth is probably a possibility for them. I mean, yeah. they're getting pregnant. No, 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 no. But, but, but they're the very power. Aware. They're so aware of their own birth. My eight-year-old, every other month, asks, can I see the video of my birth? Because wow. there's a moment where I took a, mo- a video of 30 seconds before he was pushed out and 30 seconds after and a lot of joy. I'll share that with you, of course. Yes. I love to share it. I remember I was studying for a master's degree when he was born. And I had to go to school the next day because, you know, it's a master's degree and you cannot miss a class. Yeah. And I said, how did everything go? I cannot tell you, but do you want to watch the video? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't want to yeah. watch it. Yeah. Like, but she was in a, in a tub in the in living room. But, but see, when, when I heard you talk, an idea came to me that I had never thought of. And I look back on my parents a lot. And my dad passed about 20 something years ago. And I don't know the exact year because it was a traumatic experience for me. We were very distant. My mom passed away this January. I never, ever heard my father talk about my birth. Mm. And we had a good relationship. Even after the divorce for a few years, we had a good relationship. It went bad later in the last yeah. five years of his life. But we hung out so much. We, I, I felt I got to know him better than my mother. And I knew I was loved as a, as a son to him and to my mother. But I never had those glimpses of joy. And when I heard you talk about that and about your dad, I was like, what is the first memory that my father had of me? I don't know. Yeah. The the first memory that my mother has of me was the bad news that she got pregnant at 17. Yeah. And then the fact that she got to marry when she was already pregnant with me like six months. But the first thing I know about me is that I was born in a C-section that seemed to have been very oppressing. That yeah. is the word. Even when I say C-section, there's a little like thorn in my heart that makes me feel sad because my mother always said it with such a sadness. I think she was even giving general anesthesia. I mean, it was 1975. Yeah. So she was put to sleep. Yeah. And she wakes up and boom, there's a baby. 
Yeah. Well, uh, often the women, uh, yeah, I've read many stories about, and I mean, I've experienced it as well. Like I was a part of an elective uh, C-section and I thought, oh, it's elective. Like she's chosen this. She wants this. Amazing. She's got her makeup on. She's prepared. Blah, 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 blah. It was her second uh, C-section and it, um, the C-section ended up, you know, baby came out, but then they were like, oh, but we didn't realize that um, some things actually happened from the first C-section. And so she was put under and we, the dad and I had this baby like back up on the maternity ward while the mom, like the mom hadn't even like met the baby yet. It was just the most bizarre experience to be like this mother, like, yeah, it's amazing that the dad could hold the baby and stuff, but like for so many physiological reasons, like that connection with mother and baby needs to happen instantly. Of course, there's always like little instances where, you know, um, something critical emergency happens and maybe that can't happen, but I think it happens far, far too much. It's definitely much more uh, unlikely in a home birth setting. There's um, a lot of research now to say that, you know, even if you do need to resuscitate the baby, the baby can still be connected. It, it doesn't, you don't have to take the baby over to the corner of the room and like it's work around it. You can work around it. Um, See, and now just, that you mentioned some of those things, I remember that I was told some of those things. I mean, the classes we took was before the first uh, birth. So that was around the year 2008, uh, 15 years ago, more than 15. My son is 15 and two months. Yeah. So it was probably 15 and a half. And I've never again heard it. And I know that a part of me was like, okay, I don't want to hear that part. I don't want to think about those possibilities. But I had this reassurance that I knew that the midwife was thinking about it. I yeah. knew that I would be on top of that. So that allowed me to be much more confident. I, I knew that I didn't, just like at a hospital, I don't need to do anything. You trust them. But I learned that to a, to a point, she was a birth expert. The, yeah. The, my wife also had some midwife studies. She, I don't know. She wasn't trying to be a midwife, but, but more of a doula. I don't know if you okay, yeah. that in, in Australia. Yeah. Um, so she also knew some, but to me, more than anything, it was like, okay, I don't need to know how a surgery goes. Yeah. You can talk to me for 20 minutes. All I need to know is, are you good at it? Yeah. Are you, are you, do you, are you confident that you can handle it well? Yeah. The same thing with the midwife. She did explain a lot, and there were many things that I'm sure I raised her, but others were like, okay, I don't know and I don't care as long as you know and you can yeah. do it when it comes to it. So we never had any major issues, but... To me, I'd like to go back to to the question that I posed because I would love for anybody to examine why. And the why is, to me, again, is very clear to respond. I think that's what I've been talking about the last 20 minutes. It's it's not just to avoid a hospital. It's not to prevent something that wouldn't be great. It's really to go to go for it, to go for, yeah, you, you, you took note of it. And I think it's, it's, I like the phrase too, to go for the climax of the human experience, to mm. go for if if you if you like hiking, why are you gonna stop at the middle of the hill instead of going all the way to the top? Yeah, you know? uh, and we could make another adult analogies, but the important thing is why don't you go for what it could be at its best? What yeah. the body of the female human body can do at its best, which is birth. I mean. You women have been birthing children for thousands of years. Literally thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, 
it, it has worked well. Yeah. I, I just thought of it as well. If, whether you think of creation or evolution, in both ways, the body is currently, the human body has its maximum potential. It's yeah. either evolved to its best or was created at its best. Yeah. Why do you need to put so many um, stop signs in between? But the reason to me has to be for somebody to go for a home birth to examine what is their why. Financial yeah. considerations are important, of course. Yeah. We knew that going for home birth would be more expensive. Yeah. But we, we dove into it, we thought of it, and it's like and, and we knew that going for, for a hospital birth could be cheap. When I had a job when we were pregnant and had the first and second births. I lost that job, which was a very good job uh, in a corporation, uh, and I was in, in, in the upper management level. I lost the job when my wife was five months pregnant uh, with her third child. Yeah. And, and and we were I was literally unemployed for about eight months. Uh, thankfully, we were able to qualify for financial assistance. And that's how I became a teacher. That's how I pursued a new degree. But at, at that point, me without a job, we even talked about it. We even said, should we consider not pursuing? We had already hired the, the midwife. Yeah. We had already started the process. We had already started the payments. We discussed, should we not have ourselves a home birth because we just cannot afford it? And um, our conclusion was, even if we borrow the money, we'll be able to pay it back within a year or two. We will never get back what we lose. Yeah. A home birth. Yeah. And not only us as adults, now I see it with my daughter. I mean, each of them has a lot of pictures to look at. Yeah. Imagine if one of them did not have a home birth because we couldn't afford it. Yeah. I mean, I'm privileged that I'm in Texas, in the United States. I did have access to what they call food stamps. I did have access to unemployment insurance. In my country, those do not exist. Yeah. Uh, but if I have a privilege, if I have this opportunity, why don't I make the most of it? And and you talk about privilege at the beginning, how, how um, there's a privilege in the health system. But if we have the privilege of, of, of having a human body... Uh, women as as having this privilege of birthing and having a body that can withstand all the process and then offer the most wonderful first few seconds of life to their baby by the physical touch, by the contact, by letting the baby listen to the heartbeat, by keeping it warm in the arms of the mother, in, in her breast, in her bosom, not necessarily just with an electric blanket, not be taken away. Why don't we exercise that privilege? And yeah. we as men... If we have the privilege, I mean, I'm, I, my wife thankfully never complained about the physical pain too much, but if we have the privilege to be distant from that pain, where we have the privilege to be attentive, be servants of the woman at that moment, and, and be there just fully focused on the ability to be there with our children, to hold them, to, to watch them, to take pictures, to, to enjoy the moment, why don't we take advantage of that privilege? And, yeah. and I think that's what home birth gives us. Yeah. I, a privilege of a lifetime. I mean, it's it sounds so so rhetoric and repetitive, but it is of a lifetime. Yeah, it is. It is. It is wonderful. It's the climax of human experience. I'm saying, yeah. Lifetime, but I, I like that, and and that's why I love talking about this, Elsie, because it's like if you ask anybody, hey, what's the best football game or cricket yeah. game in Australia, or or the best concert you've gone to, they'll tell you all about it. The yeah. Best you've gone to. Uh, how was your first dance in high school? Your first kiss. People would love to talk about it. I can talk to you for hours and hours about the joy of, of the birth of my children because I was there every moment. Yeah. 
And I was there only because of homebirth. The circumstances yeah. would not have been allowing it in a different setting. Yeah. What is um, in Texas, what is the, the thoughts around home birth? Oh, great question. Listen, when my wife talked to me about it, I was influenced by my own background in Guatemala, in Latin America. I was influenced by the fact that I thought it's only for people who live in the mountains. Yeah. But then uh, I asked her, and it was also, um, it, what's the word? It's like a, it's like a French concept. Uh, a lot of people that she knew kind of knew because they knew them as friends for a long time. They yeah. knew my wife and her best friend who had educated her about that. Uh, for a long time on the topic, but a lot of other people were like, I, I remember at work when I began telling people, they were like, what? Your wife's going to have the baby at home? Or, 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 I remember when we said that we were praying and then we would begin talking about the birth of our children and, and the, the first question is like, okay, or what hospital is it going to be at? Yeah, and yeah. And I'm like, uh, no hospital. Is <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And so it is still... <sighs> It's, it's not like uh, ridiculed because midwives are, I mean, it's a large state um, and, and I believe it has about uh, 35 million people as a state of, of the U.S., but it's still an outlier. Uh, people, I don't think other than friends that she already knew at the time of our home births, I met other people. When I talked to I mean, I, I met other people, whether males or females, that experience home birth for their own kids. Yeah. And I thought the best answer I get is like, oh, yeah, I know of a friend who did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's not common practice. Now, here's one interesting thing. When we had our second child, uh, I believe at 48 hours after the birth, she did cough for two seconds. It was more like a hiccup. Okay. But because she was just, you know, a tiny little baby, um, yeah. she lost one or two moments of breath. Like, you know, we breathe in, out, in, out. In that hiccup, she lost two. So for three seconds, her face went purple. Yeah, okay. It was, it was nothing else. It was, yeah. nothing. it was a hiccup. She lost her breath for three seconds. It's a baby turned purple, gone. But my wife was worried. It was only her second baby. We called the midwife. Since the midwife did not see it, she could only go from what she heard from my wife. She said, listen, uh, it doesn't seem like a major thing, but it's better to be safe. So um, I recommend you take her to the hospital, describe what happened, and they might check her lungs to see if there can be an infection. Or yeah. Anything. And, and uh, I mean, immediately she refers to a hospital. Nobody's trying to be enemies with the hospital. But as soon as we arrive, the, the, after the whole intake information, the, um, the nurse said, okay, uh, how old is the baby? Two days? Where was she born? Because, you know, a baby that's two days is usually still at the hospital. I said, she was born at home. Oh. And when the doctor arrived, we went to the emergency service. When the doctor arrived to take the information, I could even see kind of like whispering in her ear, you know, like in high school when they gossip on one another. And my wife and I could both tell that that doctor was already, before meeting us, frustrated with us. Because she patronizingly yeah. saying things like, well, you're already taking a few risks and, and, and we're going to check. I hope everything is okay. But you already put the baby in danger and, and stuff like that simply because of, of our decision. So, so 
we were not trying to make enemies with them. <laughs> but yeah. The enemy. Now, I am not going to say that's the case for everybody. That was our experience. That was yeah. that one specific doctor. But that's the only doctor that I've seen in the first month yeah. of life of any of my four children. So I came out with this impression that she was rude, she was mean, and I caught her lying. For example, she kept talking to us about all the risks that could have been associated with the home birth. And um, one of the things that they wanted to do, I remember this moment so clearly because, you know, it was a tiny baby two days old. Yeah. They they needed to do a spinal tap. You know what a spinal okay. tap is? They yeah. In the, I mean, yeah. I didn't know. I, I knew that was the name of a rock mockumentary movie. <laughs> well, when, I, when I heard the phrase, we need to do a spinal tap. I was like, what? <laughs> How's that going to help? <laughs> we want to do a, a midnight oil or, a, or an ACDC. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, she said that there were a lot of things that they, as doctors, could only do in the hospital because of all the considerations about cleaning and knowing how to do. And she calls on a nurse to request assistance for doing the spinal tap. Then she hands the responsibility to the nurse to perform my daughter's spine, a baby, a two-day-old baby, on the spine with a syringe. And I hear this nurse tell another nurse, can you help me? I've never done one of these. And I'm like, what in the world? What in the world? And, and I'm, a few minutes ago, you were telling me that you are the best, safest place for doing all of this. And then I believe the baby needed to, you know, she she uh, she, she wasn't wearing a diaper or, or was, I don't remember, but there was some, some remnants of, of feces in her lower back and the way they were cleaning and I could tell that there could be a risk of contamination between the, the, the fecal matter. I mean, it's a baby, so it's just a tiny little bit. And the area in the spine where they're about to put the syringe, I'm like, this, this one seems worse. But, but mostly the two things that stood out was how she talked to us. The doctor yeah. was mean to us. And then when that nurse said to the other, can you help me? I've never done one of these. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a spinal tap is something you don't do on every person. I don't know. I've never even cared to research more. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that we were talked down and then, so so that's to respond to your question of how is it perceived. I believe, I don't want to go too radical on this, but my perception is they see it as a practice that hurts their business. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said that you uh, listened to uh, Lloyd's episode, um, and yeah, I mean, he was saying the same thing. I think we all have this, or uh, most of us in you know that have home births and whatnot, we understand this very well um, because yeah, maybe it feels uncomfortable to understand that reality but it is a reality that it is a business and as um i'm pretty sure it was lloyd that said like it's marketing it's very bad marketing if you if you say um oh like another woman has died you only have in australia you pretty much only hear about women dying if in childbirth if it's associated with a home birth then every news outlet has it um, and it doesn't happen that often. So, of course, it's like built up, but it's never reported in a hospital. Well, do you see it on the news in Australia where a woman dies in home birth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or like some uh, you hear about midwives losing their registration because it's quite strict. And um, in Australia, 
Uh, it's very, very much run by obstetricians. Okay. And in Australia, we have um, a governing body called well, it's abbreviated to APRA, and APRA is responsible for registering midwives, and you have to adhere to the the strictness of APRA, and you can be reported by anyone. I could have that experience in an emergency department like you um, had, and I could um, figure out a way to report it to APRA, and then APRA is meant to investigate the practice of that healthcare person. Um but like private midwives, uh, I listened to a, an episode of another podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, they were saying that the, the stats or whatever about private midwives who are the ones that are um, supporting women having home births, if you are a private midwife, expect that at least one time in your career you will be reported. And reported could mean you lose your registration and with that you are not allowed to practice. Um, unless, yeah, it's... Yeah, I realise obviously this episode is about you and your your uh, no, no, listen, experiences. I, like, like we said from the start... I, I would say it's using my story to, to advocate for this because to me as a, as a man, um, as a father of children born at home, as a husband of a woman who had that in her mind, I went from what is this craziness? I was not against it. I was just uninformed to, yeah. to being really passionate about it. Like, yeah. I cannot have children anymore. My wife cannot have children anymore. We're more close to our 50s than, than, than our 40s. So it will not happen for me, but I would love it if my daughters do. Yeah. I love it if my sons, with my sons, I, I mean, this is another concept of culture and, and, and gender roles. I believe that they have less uh, of a deciding power on, the, on, on that. Yeah. But, but to me, uh, once again, why would you, having the opportunity to experience the best moments in a lifetime, choose to diminish them through going a different route? Yeah. So, so my goal is not to tell you all the intricacies of my personal story. My, my goal is to share how wonderful home birth has been to enrich my life. There's, you, you said at one point, when you, when you stop there and said raising children is, I was thinking hard. You're going to say beautiful, but I'm thinking it's hard. I have three teenagers now, and it is hard. But when you think of, of how it all started with that beautiful moment of birth, it's it's just so wonderful it's an anchor it's an emotional yeah, anchor an anchor them. it's an emotional anchor for for me as to understand uh like i told you i just realized i never heard my father talk about my birth because yeah. he wasn't there and my mom talked about it with sadness yeah and 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 yeah i hear the word c-section and i feel sad because i think my poor mother was forced into it I yeah mean, she wasn't necessarily forced so these are consequences of not having the information and not using the information to to exercise to make the most out of our lives and 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 those are the most joyful moments of my life those births yeah the birth is not just the, the second of of comes out and 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 by the way in our case the first three babies we didn't even want to know the gender because yeah well. the matter was as long as it's healthy i mean before I met my wife, I remember I, I thinking, as soon as we get pregnant, we're gonna find out the gender. We're gonna paint the room the color of the of the norms, <laughs> yeah. uh, and yeah. all that. It all changed. So, as a man, I think one of the most important things is to keep an open mind. 
because there's so much that I could read and study and examine, but there's no way I can know as much about it as, as a woman. There's yeah. even as a father who was there for four homebirths, there's not as, as much as I can share about what it means than, than having burden in myself. And I, that's never yeah. happened. That never happened. Uh, so to be open-minded and, and be supportive and, and, and allow yourself to be led because many times I was, like I told you, there's when, when people talk about what I was doing, I was eating and, and, and taking naps most of the time. Yeah. I was not doing much, but I was, yeah. so it's not about my story. It's about how to use that story to empower others with what to me would be the best thing they could consider for their lives, for their journeys. Yeah. People are considering having children if they're an age of, of bearing children. Do the research. But but that is a very personal decision as well because again, examine your why. If mm. your why is because it's gonna be more convenient, you are probably gonna be disappointed. There were times that it was hard. There were times that it was hard. Yeah. It's, it's not cheaper. In our case it wasn't cheaper and um there's a lot of things, but but then examine your why. And my response to that is because I want the best opportunity to have the most wonderful experience in life. Yeah. And and yeah. So so that is my why. I mean, I'm repeating myself, but that's that's the one word I can. <laughs> yeah. Examine your why and consider it. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um... That's like a perfect way, I guess, to end the episode because, um, yeah, I really love what you said about like the, the climax of, of life, you know? And yeah, if you're going hiking, um, climb to the top, don't stop halfway. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so, thank you so much. Um, is it like, 6 p.m. there? Right now it is. What time it is for you? 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> on the morning after, after, yeah, it's on Saturday and for you it's Friday. So that's, yeah. Okay. So, so listen, uh, I know we said we're going to close and I know we talk about maybe doing a second part, but in case we don't, allow me just a minute to read this text that I got from yes. the friend of my wife. She said, yeah, please. Uh, I basically asked her, hey, how do you learn about home birth? Give me one or two phrases. She didn't give me one or two phrases. <laughs> so I just, I had just had my first baby in the hospital. I didn't even know home birth was an option. My experience was disappointing. I had not wanted the epidural, but they told me I had to because I was hyperventilating, which meant my baby might not be getting enough oxygen. Then, after I had the epidural, I couldn't feel anything and couldn't push effectively, so they had to suction her out. The first try, the suction popped off her head, and then they did it again. They also gave me an episiotomy with no warning and then botched the stitches so that five months later I had to have surgery to repair it. Through all of it, the doctor and my nurses were all very wellly, were all very condescending towards me. I felt stupid and powerless and completely at their mercy. When, and she has given me permission to share this, so I'll share the name, Kali, that's Thank the, you. her oldest daughter who is 28, I believe right now. When Kali was two weeks old, I was at a church event and there was a woman there that I did not know well. She also recently had a baby and was admiring my new baby and asked about the scar on her head that was still visible from where they had screwed a hard monitor into her forehead while they were suctioning. I told her what it was and repeated what the hospital had told me. 
that it didn't hurt her even though it had left a scar. The woman looked slightly horrified and very gently said, how do they know it didn't hurt her? That was the first time I began to question everything. I went to her a few weeks later and started asking questions about how she had her babies and that was when I learned about a gentler, more natural way to birth with a midwife helping me in the comfort of my own home. It was life changing for me. She had two more babies. That's how my wife learned about it. That's how we had four babies at home. I get like chills because so so many so many things. Um, yeah, thank you so much uh, for sharing that, and thank you. Um, make sure you thank her for allowing that to be shared. You, you go because... ahead and thank her. She asked me to to give her the link of the episode. Her name is Leslie, so give her a thank you. Thank you so much, Leslie, <laughs> for sharing a little snippet of your story. Um, but such an impact, like a small snippet, but so impactful and. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to find that that better way for you that, you know, probably was very healing to know that it doesn't have to be like that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.